Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Steve Neal. I'm the pastor of Children's College and Young Adults here at Bible Center Church. I'm also part of the discipleship team. As part of the discipleship team, we're consistently reminding ourselves that we are here at Bible Center Church to make disciples of Jesus Christ. As we make disciples, we do exactly what Mike shared a few minutes ago. We connect people to Jesus and the church. Then we assist those ourselves and others in growing in that relationship with Jesus and the church. And then we multiply our efforts by seeing more and more people come to know Jesus as their savior, making disciples of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter four, verse number 19, it says this, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Today, when we think about that process of connecting, growing and multiplying, we're gonna focus in on how do you and I grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. We're focusing directly in how do you and I grow as a follower of Jesus Christ? How do we help others grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ? So today, I want you to think about this one thing as we talk about growing as followers of Jesus Christ. The father and the child work together to accomplish the father's plan. That's the one thing, if you remember anything from our entire message, as we look at 2 Peter chapter number one, I want you to think of this. The father and the child work together to accomplish the father's plan. The child in in this whole relationship is you and me. The father is God in heaven. He has a plan for every one of us to grow in this relationship. As we looked over the last three months, we looked at behold the Father, behold the Son, and behold the Holy Spirit. In our message, we actually take like a one-off message today and we focus in on grow. It will help us connect those three messages to what's coming up over the next few months in the course of the next year. As we think about it, we can't grow in this relationship unless we know who God the Father is, unless we understand his plan for our life. Then he says, you need to know who I want you to be by seeing my son, Jesus Christ. Then you allow the Bible to be used by the Holy Spirit to transform our lives to look more and more like Jesus Christ. This is the Father's plan. The Father and the child working together to accomplish the Father's plan. I wanna ask you a series of questions. Do you remember the first time that you learned to ride a bike? How did it feel? How did your parents feel in that moment? Now, let me ask you this one. Do you remember when you taught your child to ride their very first bike? How did you feel? How did they feel in that moment? Now, here's our last questions that I wanna ask you, at least in this part right here. Do you remember the very first time you attempted or tried to live the Christian life? How did it feel? I know for me, it felt like everything was stacked against me. 
it felt like oh, there was all this pressure and I couldn't figure out where I was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do. And it was because of this. I didn't understand the father's plan for my life. I hadn't invited him to participate in the growth process of my life. And so I was confused. I'd like to illustrate this growth process this way. This is our sons, uh, Elizabeth and I, our, very, our only son, but his very first bike. You might say, why did you keep that thing? Well, uh, yeah, it looks beat up. It is beat up. It was, um, he was about two years old when he started to ride. I remember the first times as we took him out and uh, we outfitted him with everything he needed, right? We got him a helmet and we got him knee pads. We got him elbow pads. Why? I don't know. It, we were, it was our first child and it was kind of like, oh, we don't want him to get hurt. Uh, I didn't have a helmet. I'll tell you a little story about that in a little bit. I never wore a helmet when I was a kid, but we had to have a helmet because we were gonna protect his head and uh, his body. And we put on training wheels on this bike. I remember the first days. Yes, we should have used grass, I know, and put him on the grass, but we took him out to the pavement. With the training wheels, he did fine, but there was a day he wanted to take those training wheels off. So we took the training wheels off and I remember his nervous little two-year-old body holding on to the uh, handlebars, putting his feet on the pedals. And what did he do? He kept turning around and looking at me and saying this, dad, are you there? Dad, are you there? Are you gonna hold on to me? Are you gonna be with me? I was like, Micah? By the way, this is Micah. I think there's a picture of him. He is going to be 25 in a few uh, weeks. And we leave after the last service to drive Elizabeth Mabry and I go to Austin, Texas to spend an entire week with him. We haven't seen him in almost a year. We are so excited to spend some time um, with him. But going back to when he was two years old, he held on and I held on to the back of him. He couldn't see me, but he had to trust me to hold on to him, to guide him, to direct him, to know when to let go of the bike and let him take over by himself. There were bumps, there were bruises, there were cuts, there were scrapes, there were small injuries, there were lots of tears, lots of times where Micah would say, I don't wanna do this anymore, I can't do this, I'm never gonna learn. Then there were those days where, I can't wait to go ride my bike today. Dad, are we going home from school to ride the bike? Then there were the days where he was like, I'm ready to do the jumps, right? Well, in the process of learning, um, I, we taught him and we were in uh, New Hampshire, Milford, New Hampshire, where they put out a bunch of sand during different times of the year because of snow. Well, one day when we were teaching him, he had his bike and he turned the handlebar just a little bit too sharp. He skid across that sand and he fell and he skinned up the side of his leg and he started to cry. I remember leaning over, picking up his little body, wrapped up in the bike, moving it away from him, holding it up to my chest as he began to cry and he was hurt. I remember taking my t-shirt and wiping off the dirt and sand out of his cut, wiping off the blood, wiping off the tears, kneeling back down and picking up the bike. And he eventually come to himself and I said, Micah, we need to get back on and ride. Dad, I don't want to, I can't ever do this. I was like, Micah, we can do this together. Eventually, obviously, Micah learned how to ride a bike. Yes, it took some blood. It took some sweat. It took some heartache. It took some tears. It took some times of joy. Elizabeth and I kept this bike because it reminds us of, it as of adventure, maturity, growing. 
a son learning that he can trust his father, a father learning how to work with his son. The thing, the difference here is this. Our heavenly father is a perfect father, all loving, all caring. He knows everything that you and I need to grow and develop in this relationship with him, how we can grow to become all of who God's called us to be. If you have a Bible, open up with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3 through 11. We're going to look at verse number 3, then we're going to skip down, look at verses 8 through 11, and then we're going to step back up and we're going to see verses 5 through 7. If you and I are going to grow in this relationship, the father and the child, God the Father, you and I must work together to accomplish the Father's plan. We do this as we see God provides a purpose for our life. Number two, as we continue to grow in this relationship, he's consistently producing a character inside of us that flows out to everyone around so they can see what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And we'll explain that as we go through this. In 2 Peter chapter number one, the followers of Jesus were facing heartache, difficulties, challenges, obstacles. They were actually in so deep challenges and they kind of had pushed some things aside that they began to doubt that they had a relationship with God and they had a secure position in heaven. That's how they felt. In 2 Peter chapter number one, verse number three, this is what Peter says. Now, remember, here's this Peter. Peter's the guy that walked on water with Jesus. Peter's the guy that stood around and they argued and fought and disagreed on who's going to have the best position when they get to heaven. Peter's the guy that tried to chop off the head of the guy, one of the people taking Jesus in the garden. Peter's the guy that three times denied Jesus and rejected him. Peter's the guy that on the boat when he saw Jesus on the shore, jumped out and swam to Jesus. That's the Peter we're talking about. And he says this, God or his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Here's what Peter's saying to you and I. You can live out this Christian life. You can live as a follower of Jesus because he's given you everything you need. You have it. It's the most exciting relationship because he has planted everything you need to do what he's calling you to do. We just have to follow out his plan. When Elizabeth and I went out, we went to probably Walmart is my best guess. I don't know where we went to buy the bike. I just remember we went to buy it. We picked out, matching knee pads and elbow pads, probably not because of me, but because my wife is organized and prepared. I probably would have bought whatever, but she got the right things and we got him a helmet and then we got him a super cool bike. He was outfitted in everything he needed so that he could become an incredible bike rider. Really, we don't know. We just wanted him to enjoy life. We wanted him to have adventures. We wanted him to learn what it meant to do right and to do wrong when we gave him instructions on his bike. See, God's outfitted me so that I can live out this life as a follower of Jesus with an incredible purpose. He's designed my life 
so that other people can connect to Jesus and the church. We can grow in this relationship so that we have the opportunity to multiply everything that we do as we leave these doors, as we travel into our sports places, as we go into Walmart or into Kohl's or wherever we go, and especially into our workplaces. As I think of the different conversations that I have with people here in our church and out in our community, I think a lot of times, like we sang a few minutes ago, it is well with my soul. That phrase is actually used really little. A lot of people I meet, I'm struggling, I'm questioning. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to find my way. I'm not sure. I want to get off. I literally read a post this week, this, just this morning at 6.30. I was downstairs drinking coffee on Facebook and I read one of our church members. I was ready to give up. I was ready to throw it in. Life was too hard for me all the trials and struggles and God's coming beside us. We don't always see him, but he's prepared and he says, hey, I want to help you. Here's what he says. God says, through Peter, in 2 Peter chapter number one, verse number eight, here's our great purpose. I imagine every one of us wakes up We wanna make an impact, we wanna make a difference, we want people to be able to come to our life so we can give them. We wanna leave some form of a mark on this society, not that it points back to us, but that we've made a difference. And God says our whole lives are about making a difference for one person and the person is so that you and I glorify God in heaven because he is awesome and wonderful and loves us. And that's why it was so important for us to look at all three of those different sermon series for three different months, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and how they all work together to move us forward to point everyone around to God. Look what he says. Here's our purpose. For if you possess these qualities, well, you and I haven't talked about the qualities yet. They're found in verse five through seven. If you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. The first thing that in our message today, when we look at this on the father and the child working together to accomplish the father's plan is if we do these things in verses five through seven, here's what happens. The purpose is we begin to produce fruit. Why is it so important that we begin to produce fruit? Because we see things coming out of our life. We also have opportunities for people to come to our life and to take from our life and to be fed and to be nurtured so that their souls can say it is well in all of the struggles that they went through, all the trials. Imagine all the different individuals you know. I think of uh, 9-11 today when the two towers came down. Me being in New England, a lot of people I knew were directly impacted. People in our church had some way involved in that. As we produce fruit, we can minister to them. I think about the tragedy this week, if you didn't hear about it, the Herbert Hoover girl that lost her life in a car accident. 
people in our church are connected to them. As you and I grow in this relationship with Jesus Christ and we have fruit, people can come to us because they're in need and they can take from us and they can be nurtured and they can be fed and they can see that God is good and God loves us and he's a father that cares so much for us. The next one is found in verse number nine. What's the purpose? Not only fruit, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. He says, hey, look, if you practice these principles, these character traits that I'm gonna give you, you're going to have a vision for your life. Doesn't every single person wanna know where they're going and how they're gonna get there? If we practice these seven principles, Peter says, hey, you are going to have these fruit and you're going to have a vision. Look at the last one. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, which we'll come back to that in just a minute, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things found in verse five through seven, he says, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only will we have fruit, we'll have a vision, but we will have security if we practice what's found in verse five through seven. You know, so often we don't feel good. We don't feel okay about life. Life is a series of trials and tests, potentially even temptations. It's been said before that you and I are either going into a trial, we're coming through a trial, or we're going out of a trial. If we practice these seven principles found in verses five through seven, God says this, you'll have fruit. You'll have a vision of where you're going. Why am I facing these challenges? Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? Why do I feel like I get bumps and bruises and heartaches? Mike talked last week. We need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there are times we step on a landmine and he's allowed us there and it blows up our life. God says, look, that's gonna happen. But if you practice what's inside of my word, you'll have security as a follower of Jesus. You may not feel okay inside, but you will know there is a great God who loves you. So if the father and the child are gonna to work together to accomplish the father's plan, because of what it produces, we have to understand what's God doing in our life. Here's what he says. I am producing a character. If you and I are gonna grow in this relationship, we have to understand he's producing a character. When I put Micah, when Elizabeth put Micah on this bike, it was so much more than just riding a bike and having a good time. It was about him wrestling and struggling and falling and getting back up, up and keeping on going. So what? He could develop a character of, I can do this. I can go there because of the things that I've learned. In verse number five, it says this, because of what God has done for this very reason, make every effort. That word means give all diligence. If you and I might put this in our words, we might say, say give blood, sweat, and tears. It might be a hundred percent, it is a hundred percent of ourself, of our time, our energy, and our effort. So I want you to remember this. He's saying give all of your time, all of your energy, and all of your effort 
to growing in this relationship where the father, which has already done everything, the child comes alongside into his plan and does all this work. It's hard, it's laborious, it's intense to work the father's plan. Look what he says down here. It says this word, add. If you have a Bible, you should circle it. It could also mean this, supplement. It produces your faith, takes your faith and produces it into something strong. It produces it into something usable. It's produced in so that other people can see your life and glorify God who's in heaven. He says this, add to your faith. The only way these seven principles can be done is if you and I have faith. We have a relationship with Jesus. We have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We say, Jesus, I'm sinful. You are holy. You are righteous. You left heaven, 100% God, came down to earth as 100% man, you never sinned in all the trials and all the tests and all the temptations that you faced. You allowed yourself to be sacrificed on a cross. You shed your blood, washing away my sins, giving me the opportunity to have freedom and be rescued from sin. You went down into the grave. You rose again within your own power on the third day so that we can have a relationship with God. And he says in this, you add to that faith. The only way we can do this is by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, goodness. We're gonna go through these five super fast. These first five are my relationship to God. The last two is my relationship to you. Your relationship with others. The first one is goodness. It's I've been saved out, I've been rescued out of sin to live and love like Jesus. The next one is goodness, I mean knowledge. Knowledge is this, it's an experiential knowledge. I've gone into God's word, I've seen what it looks like and I begin to live it out. Micah could learn everything he wanted by me saying, Micah, hold the handlebars, pedal the pedals, stay stable, but he had no experiential knowledge until he actually sat on the seat and actually got into action on his bike. That's what this means. That's what God's trying to help us to understand. The next word is self-control. Saying no to anything that violates the character of God. Saying no to sin. Perseverance is this, to stand up under the weight and pressure of the world and glorify God. It means to keep on going, endurance. The next one is the fifth one, it's godliness. God is at the center of my life and I worship him and him alone. Those are the five character traits that God's building inside of us that have to do with me and God, have to do with you and your relationship with God, if you and I are gonna grow as followers of Jesus, we must get into the father and the child working together to accomplish the father's plan. This is his plan. I'm the oldest of four boys. Um, many times our home was um, chaotic, not because of my parents, but because of the four boys. 
my brother Scott is the next underneath me. Many of you have met him. Yeah, he was here for a few months, hung out with us, lived at our home for a while while he was transitioning to do something different. And when we were kids, he was about three years old, going on five, uh, four. I was five, going on six. We lived on this house with this big hill. At least I thought it was big when I was a kid. My brother Scott and I went to visit my grandmother at her, for her funeral and attend her funeral. And we decided on one day, we had some free time, let's go by and visit our old house. Well, we stopped by the house and I was like, whoa, I don't remember the hill being that big. This is a big hill. This one day, my brother and I decided that we were gonna do something fun together. I took the big wheel to the top of the hill. At the bottom of the hill was a small, about two foot wide, grassy area that led right to a brick wall. We, I was going to take my big wheel down over the grassy hill, over the brick wall, onto another section of grass, into the lake, because this was our lake house, and down into the water. It's a great idea. Except for we were told by our mom and dad, you're never to ride the hill without us. <sighs> What's the big deal, we thought? This would be a great idea. My brother was in white, tight, sh little shorts. No t-shirt on because we lived on the lake. No shirt at all. I took my big wheel to the top. The problem was this big hill like this and there was a road that went directly across the big hill. That's why we weren't to ride it. <sighs> no big deal. Scott, stay at the corner. You watch for cars coming. Well. My brother and I were so excited about what we were about to do. And you know what he did? He watched me go up the hill on my big wheel. I took it to the top, got up there. We're looking at each other, smiling. This is going to be great. I lifted my feet up off the ground and headed down towards the brick wall. As I neared the little bottom, it is about five to 10 feet of flat space. We realized something. There was a massive brown car with a nice chrome shiny bumper coming on the road that did not see me. My eyes got big and the reason why I know that is because I was shocked my brother wasn't watching and he saw me and turned and saw the car coming. At just the time the car passes by, I smash into the front of the car's bumper. The car smashes into me. The last thing I remember is the big wheel going into the air and me, I don't know. I then woke up at some point, and I, my, I know my eyes were still closed because I was coming to, I felt the heat of the engine in the back of my head, the radiator above my head. And I remember opening my eyes and I could see two people, my dad right here and my brother right there. My brother was coming in close to me and my dad was staring at me with that face of like, oh no, I might have lost my son. My, as I opened my eyes, my little brother was staring at me like this and he looks at my dad and he goes, huh, at least he's not dead. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of the story, but my mom says as she watched petrified from the top of our stairs at the house, my brother turns around, all right, everybody, all right. It, nothing left to see, he's okay, he'll be all right. And that's the last I remember. The next word here is called mutual affection, which means this, brotherly love. 
when Peter wrote this, he was intending for the churches to think like this. You may not be in essence blood relatives, but if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have faith. We are a big family and we are to treat each other like family. The one thing I know when I've moved back here and become part of West Virginia is West Virginians know how to do family. What we need to continue doing is this. This is our family. The people out there are our family. Look at what it says in verse number 10. Peter is trying to help us connect all these dots. Therefore, brothers and sisters. He's saying, hey, we are one big family. Scott Knight in his book, Tove, states this, the most common word for the New Testament for Christian believers by far is not church. It's siblings or brothers and sisters. The father and the child, me, is working together. I'm giving all my energy and effort. I am producing fruit I have a vision of why I'm doing this and I have a security no matter how hard it is, no matter how much it hurts, I will have a home in heaven and I do the Father's plan. I love those who are all around me. One day Jesus was being tricked by the Pharisees and Sadducees in Luke chapter 10 and he was asked, hey, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and he says this, anyone who's in need. Emotionally empty, lots of questions, feeling lost. Do we know anybody at our workplaces, at the restaurants we eat, at the places we go, or how about right here inside of our church? Do you know what Jesus says? Jesus says this, how will people, people ask him, how will they know who I am? And Jesus says, the people will know who you are and that you are my followers by this, your love. The love that we share with one another. Siblings, brothers and sisters, they care for one another. They look out for one another. They protect one another they trust one another, they see the good and the bad, and they love anyways. Right outside this wall is a group wall where you and I can continue to act like one big family together with the good and the bad working together because we're called the father and the child working together to accomplish the father's plan, to build one another up, to help one another. The last word is my, the word that we share to each other, this, love. It's the word we get agape from. It is sacrificing love. It's not what you get to do for me, but what I can do for you and you're not going to repay me. It's totally unconditional. It's not looking for anything in return. Why? Because when we grow in this way, what happens? I produce fruit. So people can come to me and be fed. I have a vision of 
how I'm getting, where I'm getting. I have a security in my relationship with God that I have a home in heaven. The father and the child work together to accomplish the father's plan. Well, this is Micah's very first bike. In just a minute, someone's gonna carry out the, uh, his last bike that he had. This had bumps and bruises and tears and heartache. And sometimes Micah just wanted to give up, throw in the towel. He didn't wanna keep trying. This is Micah's last bike. It did not look like this on his last adventure home. On his last adventure home, it was twisted. The handlebars were all crooked. Certain things were all messed up. It was completely muddy. He and his friend, Micah Polly. So Micah Neal and Micah Polly, we used to call him Neil and Polly, would hang out together. They decided to go on this journey together. I'll never forget. You know that time of the day, and I was wondering where they were. It's getting dark, but it's not pitch black. It's that time of day where you can just kind of see outside. Micah comes to the house and I heard they came in. I was like, oh, I'm glad they're home. And these are the words we heard. And moms, you're gonna know the feeling Elizabeth had. It looks a lot worse than it actually is, mom. <laughs> right? They're like, oh, and I'm like, the whole house stops. And she's like, I knew it, I knew it. His clothes were ripped, his helmet was messed up. There was cuts and bruises. There was all kinds of things. He comes over to the sink and to save us time. Elizabeth's cleaning him off, right? Cleaning the dirt and the mud out from everywhere. Ah, ah, oh, oh, Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. But there's no more tears. Not because he was almost 20. There were no more tears and no more giving up. You know what it was? You wouldn't believe what we did. Let me tell you about this one right here. And oh, that over there. And oh, when the handlebars got all messed up and when I broke the gears, let me tell you about what happened. His whole life changed. Why? It was a journey. It was an adventure. It was a thrill. Were there bumps and bruises and pain and heartache? Yes but he saw where he could go. He saw what he could do. And he now has stories. In your life, you might feel like as a follower of Jesus, you're in a shipwreck. You're being tossed. You're being all over the place. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're on a mountaintop experience. Maybe you're in the darkest, deepest valley. I have no idea what it is. Maybe you just want to throw it in like he did back here. God's greatest desire is that you and I go through this life where the father and the child work together to accomplish the father's plan so we have stories. So we have a faith journey. So when we do get shipwrecked, we do get bit by a snake, like what happened to Paul. When something happens, you're like, hey, you walk into the office at work. I know you've been having a really hard time and it's super discouraging. Let me tell you, about my God, my Father, Jesus Christ, where the Father and the child works together to accomplish the Father's plan. Let's pray. Jesus, you are great and an amazing God. You love us beyond our comprehension. You have this incredible plan. God, we ask you to help us to live out what Peter says in your word and that we will glorify you 
that people will come to know you because of what has happened in and through our lives, whether it's hard, it's challenging, it's discouraging, or it's incredible. But God, no matter what happens, we see this as a great adventure with you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.